in our last video session that was titled Fulfill Your Role, Part of the Whole, Only Together Can We Reach the Goal. We addressed the second part of the paragraph in Mesut in addressing the uh, prevention, shall we say, the resolution, the avoidance of a person's superior wisdom, bringing him to arrogance and conceit. And we saw how he discusses how other gifts that a person can be blessed with, wealth, physical prowess, are also meant to be utilized to help those in need. And he ends off with a uh, mushal trying to give us a way to understand this, a parable of a uh, some kind of a great mansion, I suppose, where there are many servants, many responsible parties to take care of all the affairs of this great edifice. And each one charged with his own mission, each one has his responsibility to fulfill his share of the care of the house, and through this there's no room for arrogance in truth. And we offered some explanation, and there may be some questions that could be raised, so we're going to revisit that right now in this audio discussion. And hopefully uh, will help to uh, resolve or at least alleviate some of the questions that could be raised. So the main questions that we have in this last section of the Msilsa Sharm here are why, first of all, why altogether does he need to bring in other types of people, a wealthy person, strong person, and to spell out that they also are responsible, it's only proper for them to use their wonderful gifts for the sake of helping those that are in need. It would seem that this is something quite logical, um, whatever he said when it came to wisdom could certainly be applied when it comes to wealth or physical might. The mere fact that uh, these other qualities are mentioned together with wisdom in the Pasuk in Yirmiya does not seem to be adequate justification of Mesut Sharm to have to spell this out for us. He's not uh, trying to spare us our own thinking. He doesn't have to tie the whole topic in a nice bow and cover all the bases to make it sound nice and poetic and beautiful. So there has to be some specific intention that Mr. Sharma has by adding these other situations. And what he doesn't spell out how the person shouldn't be arrogant because the wealth is a gift, he shouldn't be arrogant because the physical might is a gift. That's his basic nature. He doesn't feel need to spell out that uh, fundamental principle when it comes to these qualities. He only mentions that if he's blessed with wealth, he should be very happy with that blessing and use it to help people if he's, if he's strong and powerful he should use that to help those that are downtrodden or being harmed by others so there's something unique about 
this uh, general obligation to use your gifts to help others. A second question that we could raise is um, at the end, Mesut Hashem ends off and he says that there's no room for arrogance in truth. Seems like there was something added here. After he said that the wise person should use his wisdom, share his wisdom, spread the benefits of the wisdom that he has and not just hold it for himself, the wealthy person, the strong person, and he gives this uh, example of the servants, those who are appointed, different jobs in the house, and he concludes, and there's no room for, for arrogance in truth. Well, he already explains earlier, if a person recognizes that his intellectual capacity is his nature, what he's been blessed with, not of his own creation, not of his own making, does not make him superior so then there won't be any room for, if he has straight intellect, he'll see there's no basis for conceit and arrogance. So why does he have to end off here and repeat himself? It would seem like there's something being added. There's some kind of a greater clarity, greater, greater awareness, greater appreciation that there's no place, there's no room for arrogance. What has been added over here? All he, dis- all he discussed was each person should use their gifts to help others. Each one should do their, play their role, and do the job that they're entrusted, loyally, faithfully, capably. What does that have to do? How, how do we now see somehow even more clearly, even more powerfully, that there's no room for arrogance and truth? That's the second question. And the third question we could ask is what is the Mesut Sharim teaching us with this parable where he says to what can this be compared to a house, to a mansion, to a palace where every, each person is appointed on something and it's proper that he should stand at his post according to what he has been charged with to complete the work of the house. What is, he, what is he telling us with this parable? A parable is always intended to give us some kind of an understanding, some kind of appreciation of something that is not clear and obvious. What is not clear and obvious? The wise person, the rich person, the strong person should each use their blessings. They should appreciate the good of what they've been given. And of course, they want it to reach its full fruition. And of course, they should be caring for their fellow Jews, for their fellow brothers and sisters who need that help. So what is being added with this mushal, this description of a house with many servants that are each charged with their particular unique responsibility? Sort of along uh, the same lines, um, we could ask, why do we need this marshal of um, many servants in one bias? Why isn't it sufficient the mere fact that every individual has been given his blessings, his gifts, and charged with a mission to use it? 
in a certain sense, it's, it's really worth pointing out that at the end of the day, it really comes out that um, this, this situation of being the one who's been given that opportunity and that responsibility to be helping others is really quite the opposite of arrogance and superiority. Instead of the person considering himself superior to others, he can now recognize, on the contrary, he's been placed in the position of the one to be helping others and serving their needs. Right. Of course, they will appreciate it, they'll respect them for it, as is proper, but nevertheless, by, by contrast to being uh, superior and looking down on others, on the contrary, he recognizes that he's been given this, this gift and charged with this mission responsibility and, and role to be the one who is to help others and give to others. So that's quite, uh, quite the opposite of being superior and looking down on them. Right. But nevertheless, it seems that that's not sufficient for the Mitzvah Sharp. He doesn't simply point out that it comes out that instead of being, seeing himself as above and superior to others, on the contrary, he's the one who has been given the, the mission, the responsibility, and the privilege to serve the other, to serve others. No, he's, he's, he's taking it in, in a different direction, or maybe in a broader direction. They're all servants in one great house. Each one has to do his part of the entire grand picture. What is that all about? I think that in order to try to understand this, we have to ask ourselves, what is the intention of the Mesut HaShorim as far as what is the nimshal? The bias is a mushal, is a parable. Great mansion, many appointees, many jobs being done. What is that meant to represent? Here too, you have the the Chacham, the Gibor, the Ashir, each one has what to give to others in a very significant way. What is the bias in the real life situation? The Chorah, we can only suggest, it's the Jewish nation, it's Klal Yisrael. It's the, it's the true unit that the Klal Yisrael comprises. Let's let's analyze even in the bias case where everyone has a role to play. Is anybody succeeding and accomplishing something significant by himself if the others don't do their part? Mm. Quite possibly not. Quite reasonably, we can assume that we're dealing with a situation where each one's contribution is critical to the whole. If somebody doesn't you know, bring the food, no one can cook the food. If someone doesn't cook the food, no one can eat it, etc. If someone doesn't gather the firewood, no one could put it, put it into, the, uh, into the fireplace. Whatever work needs to be done for the bias to function, it needs every individual contributing their part. But the ultimate success is not by any individual as an individual. The ultimate accomplishment, the only way that the true welfare of the bias is accomplished is if everyone contributes 
their part, and it's accomplished jointly. So this is the fullness of the identity of a Jew, is that each one has what to give to others, and the success and the accomplishment and the true welfare that's achieved is by everyone doing it together. So that certainly is not something where there's room to be separate, divorced, and superior. Because the true, your true function and your true success in your function is part of a team effort. The real ultimate goal is that the bias should be cared for, meaning this, the whole cloud should be cared for, that everyone as part of this unit should have their needs, their needs met and be able to function fully and give whatever they have to give to others and each one has their own share, even if not in as maybe significant or outstanding way as the Chacham Gibra Asher. Every person has what they are contributing to the welfare of the whole group as a unit. So then even the ones that are the most significantly blessed, they're also part of this one great bias that is functioning successfully together. And the right. that's what Mr. means by because you are not succeeding, you are not even existing fully, properly as a separate, distinct individual. You need the contribution of everyone for everyone's needs to be cared for as much as is possible for there to be the real success in your efforts. Your efforts are not just to give some people wisdom and that's it. But some people need protection. Some people need financial assistance. Each one needs the other. So the real goal is that the bias should function. The bias should be cared for. The bias should flourish. And in that sense, it's not possible to separate yourself and be divorced. But it would seem that the Mishnah has to go step by step. There has to be a first stage to recognize that my wisdom does not make me superior, it's not my accomplishment. A second stage, to engage in that effort of sharing that good. And then to realize, oh, there are others who are blessed in their way, and they are sharing their good. And we are really all contributing together to a very great good. And that is the success of the Claudius rule, which is, who and what we really are, which we know full well. No, of course, there still remains a question, why does the Sharim say it in this very hinting kind of a way? Just gives the muscle to the bias, and doesn't spell out explicitly that in truth, every person is part of an entire cloud. That's a critical part of his identity. His real success is only achieved as part of this unit as we have other good sources. The Sephora in the beginning by Leischa, in the Parshas Bahar. That's not totally clear. But the fact that he ends off would seem to indicate there's some significant greater clarity being provided. And the usage of the mushal has to be telling us something, teaching us something that we might not have realized on our own.
without the utilization of this mushal. And what could the mushal be saying but this? That there is a bias that is dependent on the contribution of all its members for it to be successful. And the nimshal is Klal Yisrael. And of course, the Chacham is also part of that Klal. And the Gibor is part of that Klal. And every member is an equal member of that Klal. So you are one unified Klal. You cannot be distinct and superior. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think next time it would be um, well worthwhile to take a look at the two Sephornos, one in Pashas Bahar, one in Pashas Baloischa, and see how he presents this concept of the oneness of Kali Yisrael and how critical it is.